Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are super excited today to have a guest speaker with us. And before I introduce her, we want to take a moment to welcome in our online moms. You may be in your car. You may be hiding in the bathroom or a closet. You may be watching or listening with a group at a church or in a home. Wherever you are, our prayer is that you feel our love all the way from Austin. Right, girls? We are cheering you on. We believe in you. We know that God has called you to this great task. And if he has called you to it, he'll equip you for it. And that being said, I feel like perhaps we should have a prayer. Okay, let's call on him now. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for technology that allows us to reach into homes and cars and other churches and other groups. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that we can come to you knowing that you are for us and that you will fill in the gaps, not if, but when we fall short. God, we thank you for your strength that you pass on to us, your courage, your joy, your peace. We call on you right now to open our eyes and our ears so that we can see and hear what you want us to see and hear today, to help us be the moms you've created us to be, to raise up these kids, to be the men and women you've created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Our speaker today um, is a part of our Lake Hills Church family. She has been a part of Fearless Mom for many years. She leads Bible studies. She's one of the wisest people on the planet, I believe. She is a mom. She's a grandmother. She's a wife. She is an incredible teacher. So we are so excited to have Deborah Meyer with us today. So as Deborah comes forward, I would love it if you would put your hands together and welcome her to Fearless Mom. So, so grateful. Thank you. As we speak into our moms today, thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Good morning, you guys. Um, I am very excited this morning to get to be with you again. I've missed y'all a lot. It's it's fun for me at this stage of life to have the privilege and the opportunity to get to talk to y'all. And I'm pretending like all of y'all are up here on the first row. Okay, so y'all all kind of pretend that. And you online moms, I'm pretending the same thing for y'all. It was real funny, and I'm going to tell you how funny the mind works, especially the 63-year-old mind that God has given me, and I'm so thankful that I have one right now. Um, What was so funny, though, is I was thinking of online moms, online moms, here, present moms. I kept thinking on-star moms, on-star moms, and you know why I'm thinking that. So I thought, okay, I give up. I cannot get this in my mind, so I am going to Google that this morning. So I did. Do y'all know what the website says for OnStar as it defines who it is? OnStar services keep you safe, connected, and ready for the road ahead. And I thought, ready for the road ahead? Y'all, isn't that amazing? Okay, so that means that you online moms are on-star moms. You moms are on-star. That means you're all-star, and we have totally redefined all of this, and I love that. So I gave up, but I am happy to be here. And I just want to say this about Julie and the Fearless team, that I am so thankful 
that God gave Julie the vision, and then she spread it forth with all of the fearless team and all of you who are willing to come and to drink of all of the wisdom and all of God's truth because it is making a difference. So Julie and all you team and everyone that goes into making this possible, we say thank you because it affects all of you moms. It affects all of us grands too, so we're so excited. Um, I want to tell you just a touch about my family because um, I, I am blessed. I just want you to know that. We are so blessed. I'm married to the cutest boy in the whole world. You cannot argue with me now because I have the mic. He's the cutest boy in the world. Doesn't mean he's perfect, <laughs> nor does it mean that I'm perfect. But we, we are blessed and I'm so thankful that we get to get to be doing this life together. Now, I'm here today not because we are perfect or did everything perfectly. In fact, something that I have thought about even with my family and and when I was growing up, I probably learned as much or more from my parents' mistakes than I did from everything they did right. And I can promise you, and Christy, our daughter, is sitting right here in the front row, I can promise you that our children have the opportunity to learn from a whole lot of mistakes that we have made. And then occasionally we'll get some things right. But mistakes help to move us forward, you guys. We can choose what we do with our mistakes. And so we have had a lot of them if we practiced. Practice doesn't always make perfect, though. Um, so Bill and I married kind of in an unconventional marriage, kind of not marriage, but wedding. We got married right smack in the middle of the week on a Wednesday, July 4th, 1979. Now, Bill was a professional drag racer. He was a funny car racer, and that means that he went really fast down the track. He went like over 285 miles an hour while he was still racing. And I'm thinking, what am I thinking? I'm going to marry this guy that does this. But anyway, we, we got married, and so we had to fit our schedule into our wedding schedule into the racing schedule. So it was sandwiched. Our wedding was sandwiched in between drag racing. Oh, what a great idea. I didn't know what it was when I first married him. But anyway, we figured it out. So we got married on July 4th. And I don't know, did we get pictures? I'm not sure if if one is going to come up. Oh, look. (laughs) See how cute he is? Okay, that is my husband, and he is so cute. And I wore my very best red, white, and blue dress for our wedding. I think it was my only one. And I think Bill had new blue jeans, but they didn't fit, so he had to wear his old blue jeans. And we got married in my um, brother-in-law's front yard. And it was just so great. Don't you love the wedding cake, red, white, and blue? So we are so blessed. And then we had our daughter, Christy, and our son, Adam. Adam came first, and then Christy. And then they married their true loves, true loves, you guys, nine months apart. And so we have our son, Adam, and we have a family picture, I think. We have our son, Adam, and Claire, um, that live in Waco, and they have four beautiful daughters, Liz, Kaki, Jenny, and May, ages two to eight. And then we have um, our daughter, Christy, and our son-in-law, Barry. They're in the picture. They live here in Austin, and you probably know her because they go to Lake Hills. And they have Charlie and Marie, who's five, and Samuel Eldon, who is three. Now, also, I want to tell you that my family picture, when I was growing up, went from three people, because my grandmother wouldn't get in the picture, my mom and dad and me, three people, to this, you guys. So I'm blessed. I am so blessed. And this is what happens when you get to be 63. Y'all, being a mom is just the best. 
But also, there are so many blessings along the way, and here we are as grands, and that blessing is absolutely huge. So I think I mentioned that I'm blessed. Now, we're going to go on some bunny trails today. There's a whole lot of stuff that I'm going to pack into a few minutes, and then we can come back tomorrow if we have to finish. But I call them bunny trails because they just go and they go and they take off. And if you know me, you know about bunny trails because I go on them. But in case I lose you, anybody in the midst of all of this, I want to tell you where we're going to end up, and that's the most important thing right now. We're going to end up someplace. I want you to look at the person sitting next to you, one of the people sitting next to you right now, and I want you to look at them with energy, enthusiasm, and excitement, and deep conviction, are you getting this, with eye contact, and I want you to say, you are making a difference. That was so awesome. Now, I want you to do it again. Turn to another person because they got to hear it too. With energy, excitement, and enthusiasm, and eye contact, and deep conviction, you, you are making a difference. And you are making a difference. You know, I was, I am, I was, I guess once you're a teacher, you're always a teacher. And I believe that every moment is a teaching opportunity. And it is, especially when you're a mom and a grand, Right? And assignments are important. You know, a teacher doesn't give an assignment, supposedly, without purpose. But there's always purpose in an assignment. And the greatest assignment that you have and that you've ever received is God's assignment to you personally. So today, we're going to talk about assignments. But before we do that, I'm a teacher. And I want to introduce you to a family to a family that I believe embodies exactly what Fearless Mom is all about. It's about having courage to be the only one. And so I, some of you know this family, but I'm, I'm going to reintroduce you and give you a few more facts. Not quite 2,000 years ago, a young man named Timothy was born to a Jewish mother named Eunice. And they lived in this Roman colony in this city called Lystra a long time ago. And Lystra is part of modern-day Turkey, but part of that where that would be. And then we're told in Scripture that Timothy had a Greek father. Now, we don't know what happened to that father. We don't know if he was deceased. We don't know if he was out traveling or if he was out fighting. We don't know because we are focusing on Timothy and Eunice. And then we're told that there was a grandmother. Did y'all get that? (laughs) There was a grandmother. And y'all, this is the only time in Scripture that the term grandmother is used. A lot of grandmothers are listed in lineages. But the word grandmother is actually used, and her name was Lois. Now, Eunice and Lois were raising their son, Timothy. And they chose, in the midst of all this culture chaos, in the midst of a culture that was counter to their beliefs as a Jewish family. They were choosing, making the choice to raise Timothy according to God's ways, to Yahweh God, the God of the Jews, the one true God. And they were choosing to raise him in those ways, counter to everything that was going around them in circumstances. So we don't know why they lived there. We have no clue why they lived there. But we do know that they made this choice. There probably was not a synagogue there because there were so few Jewish people in that vicinity. So that'd be like not having your local church, y'all. That'd be like not having Lake Hills. That would be like not having Fearless Mom. But what we do know is that they were 
faithful. They made the choices daily to be faithful. Some of the greatest verses that we quote come from Apostle Paul's letters to young Timothy because, you see, he went back to Lystra and he found Timothy and he was so impressed with Timothy because of his following of Jesus Christ, because he followed in the faith and he was respected and reputable. So he took him, he said, come on with me. We're going to go and we're going to tell the Jews and the Gentiles all about Jesus, that good news. See, he had courage. And so remember this verse, y'all. I'm just going to share this with you. 2 Timothy 1.7. Your kids know this. You probably know this because Julie just told us this on Sunday at pregame. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And then in 2 Timothy, Paul's very last words before he was executed, his very final words in the second letter to Timothy, Let me share those with you. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And what we want you to understand through this today, y'all, is that this mother, this grandmother, were not perfect. But their daily choice to walk in God's ways and to teach their son Timothy influenced not only their life, but it influenced The local church during New Testament times, some of the most influential churches in the New Testament time, were affected directly by Timothy as he went and got instructions from Paul and then implemented them in the local churches. And now look who's influenced by that. You are. I am. Our kids, when Julie teaches in LHC Kids, we're teaching them about courage and and being mighty and being self-disciplined. Y'all, that is the influence of a mom. And a grandmother. Okay, now, we could go home now. But what I want you to understand is that those two women, there were three verses in Scripture about those two women. And they had that amount of influence because of their faith, because of who their God was. And they influenced him one choice at a time. Okay, can you tell we're going to talk a little bit about choices today? Choices have consequences, but y'all already understand that. You already know that for your children because you give them choices, and then when they don't make them correctly, you give them consequences. So y'all have that. But let me ask you a question, because we're going to go a little bit different direction. Do you ever feel like you're bombarded by choices in this world? Just kind of think about it for a second. How many of you made today, before you got here, choices? I mean, some of you made some choices last night that you thought you would implement this morning, and then surprise, you have to be flexible because that didn't work, and then you make more choices. Does that make sense? How many of you feel like that? Probably all of you. Well, I think it's amazing because I believe there's a direct correlation to some things that we can do to help us limit some of our choices. Now, I'm going to share a story, and I sort of got permission from Christy, so I think I think she's okay with it, and if not... She and I will talk about it later. But last spring, last spring, Christy and Barry started a remodel on their home. It was about this time last year. And I'm just going to tell you up front, it turned out fantastic. But in the interim, okay, so we're talking about the interim with, you know, with the daily choices. I discovered that there was a correlation between the decisions, the deadlines, the choices, and then the stress of everyday life. And you all know, if you've remodeled or... or built a home or purchase, you know, there's just a whole lot of stuff that goes on with choices. Well, anyway, there's a direct correlation, and I started kind of watching things. And so then one day I got a phone call. Mom, you want to go to lunch? 
Sure, I'd love to go to lunch. Where do you want to go? I don't know, Mom, you pick. No, Christy, you know I never care. You pick. Mom! It started escalating. Mom! Come on! You pick! Christy, I'm not picking. If we're going to go to lunch, you pick. So she says, I can't do it. So we get to lunch. We finally get there. And then the menu comes out. And then what happens? You go through the whole thing again. Okay, in fairness, it made me start thinking. And I did some research, y'all. I did some research. I know that's a shocker since I'm a teacher. But do you know that there really and truly are studies that show how many choices a person makes in the midst of a day? It's broken down with women. There are even some about moms. And I'm not going to give you the extreme amounts because it blew my mind up. And that might be kind of what's wrong with me a little bit today. But the average person makes hundreds of remotely conscious choices every single day. Some of the research, research says thousands. I think that's way too many choices to have to make. But the thing that I thought was interesting is that over 200 of those choices every day have to do with food. And that's why, I know, can you believe that? I don't know that I know 200 foods. But that's why Whole30 and all of these programs kind of give you a sense of comfort and confidence because your parameters are clearly set. Now, that's a principle that can go over into our life. But there's an actual term called decision fatigue. Have you heard of that? Decision fatigue? That can lead to poor choices, impulsive decisions. It can lead to complete shutdowns, complete meltdowns. It can lead to not knowing where to go to lunch and not knowing what to order on the menu. This is a a true thing that can happen when we are bombarded with so many decisions. That's true in the professional world, and y'all, it's true in our homes as well. So I want to share four lessons that I think that as Bill and I were growing up together, I guess you'd say, and raising our children, four four lessons that I think have helped us um, not necessarily made it perfect, and we learned through our mistakes, but things that I want to share with you. I also want to remind you that we're not talking just about big choices. We're talking about daily, doing the dailies. And this is what we call it, making daily choices, daily decisions. And we call that doing the dailies. Well, number one, choose to cast your vision daily. Choose to cast your vision daily. I love how Fearless Mom and Julie has done this beautifully. I love hearing this because each year she reminds us of this. Pray and ask God for the vision, for the plan for your family. Ask him because he will show you. His word shows you. It tells you. You pray about it and then he gives you a vision statement and then you run with it. What are your goals for your family? Well, I love that. And then Bill and I thought that was important too. But so we kind of got one, and the only thing I knew to to grasp a hold of was put God first. So we kind of did that, teach our families to put God first. But then the question came up in our lives, because we didn't have a clue how to do this. We had to say, okay, God, but how do I do this? How do I do this? You cast your eyes, cast your vision daily. Now, what this means, y'all, and what what we figured out that this meant was that we literally pick up our eyes and look right at Jesus, right at the cross, right at God. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like I have circumstances 
and feelings sometimes just circling around in my life. You know, we're all in circumstances, right? And we all have feelings. And feelings can be really good, but feelings can be very deceptive as well. They're not necessarily something you run with all the time. So by casting our eyes, looking up, stepping above the circumstances, and putting our eyes on Jesus, we felt like that was something we could do every single day to achieve, to reach, to pursue that vision, that assignment that God had given us for our families. Well, I love this scripture, 2 Corinthians 2.18, because I think it addresses everything we're talking about. So you don't look at the troubles we can see now, because troubles and circumstances and feelings, remember, those are temporary. So you don't look at those. Rather, fix your gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see last forever. And then Hebrews 12:2 really nails it, y'all. By keeping our eyes on Jesus, by fixing your eyes on Jesus, y'all, and this is fantastic, because who doesn't need a champion? Jesus is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So on a daily basis, lifting up our eyes, casting our vision, our eyes, casting that vision, that assignment that God's given you, saying, God, I got it, but now what am I going to do with it? You give it back and you say, God, show me what to do with it. And so that's, that's what we do. We cast our vision daily. The lessons we learned as parents, and this is something real important because I I told you we weren't perfect, but we discovered that we could refuse to listen to voices from the past mistakes and failures that we had made. We could refuse to listen to those from past choices. Even from well-meaning friends who might say, you can't expect your kids not to do what you did. I mean, that was a big one. And we had to say, yes, we can. We can do that. We don't have to let past mistakes decide the choices and the decisions we make today. We don't have to do that. God says we don't have to do it. So, yes, we can. We can let our expectations for ourselves and our children be different than our past choices were. That was amazing. You guys, God's ways are bigger than our ways. They are better than our ways. And so if we just say, God, you do it your way, then we can move past the past. We can move past the mistakes and past the mess that maybe we made. So we fix our eyes, lift up our faces, y'all, and when we do that, you know what follows? Your heart. Your heart follows when we lift up our eyes, when we choose to do the dailies. Then number two, consider your choices daily. And we're going to spend a little bit of time on this. Consider your choices daily. That could mean consider choices. That can mean calculate choices Because you want to protect your valuable time with your family. Based on the decision fatigue information that I told you about a minute ago, it's also important to set parameters determined by your vision statement to protect your mental energy as a mom. And I really want you all to think about that for just a minute. Y'all make so many decisions and choices, not just for yourselves and how you think and how you act and all the things you do and all of the opportunities that may be great that are out there. But you make choices for your kids, and you pick really cute clothes for them. I know you do. But then there are other choices, too, other than what they wear or won't wear. We'll get to that in a minute. But you want to protect your mental energy as a mom, and that's what, that's what this is all about, too. Unnecessary choices can actually drain your, and you're going to love this, your executive attention. Some of you in your jobs know about executive attention, and if you don't know that term, you should know that term because your executive's in your home. 
Do you know that there actually is a condition that can drain us from when we have so many long-term decision-making processes that we have to go through, like a remodel or like a building of a home or like business decisions and just daily decisions, daily, one-on-one, step-by-step, those kinds of decisions, it creates decision fatigue and executive attention problems. And that, when you have executive attention ability in your mind, you're made with it, God gave that to you, but it, that helps you to think about the things that matter. It helps you to block out things that don't matter. And for me, I, when I realized that, I thought, oh, I need me more of that. I really do. Because who doesn't need to be able to focus on the things that matter in your life? And I love that because God wants us. He created us that way, but we let all this stuff in. Again, I think food parameters like Whole30 that I mentioned earlier, Dress parameters for your clothing, for you, for your children, just having a parameter. That's why you have a wardrobe. That's why you have beautiful makeup that you put on and you learn how to to put it on. You have parameters established, though, and then you don't have to have so many choices that you have to make on a daily basis. Look for ways to streamline. Julie tells us, reminds us, come to church on Sunday mornings. Well, of course we want to do that because that's the best thing for our children, the best thing for our family. So parameters of scheduling, it, it just works best to sift, simplify, prioritize, and then to be flexible. And you know when you're trying to dress your kiddo and you think you're going to be late to preschool or something like that, you've made the choices the night before? Well, then you've got to be flexible because, again, Christy called me the other day and she was wrestling with Samuel, age three, because it was cowboy day at preschool and he didn't want to put his cowboy shirt on. Can you imagine that? He put his boots on, his jeans, but not his cowboy shirt. And so being the mom, I mean, she called me. I didn't call her. She called me, and I said, well, Christy, let's think about this. Let's think about your motivation. Let's think about your options. Let's think about the consequence. I said, look, he can either go naked or you can change his shirt. Either way, it doesn't matter. He's three. It doesn't matter. So she, mom, thanks a lot. So she literally calls me back in like two minutes. They're in the car. They're already going. And she said, I got this. I got this. It's close enough. He didn't want to wear the cowboy shirt. Fine. He put on a T-shirt that had a dog with a cowboy hat on it. Don't you love that? I love that. And she said, that's close enough. But you know what? I think in mom world, I just want, this is a bunny trail. Here we are, bunny trail. Okay, in the mom world, close enough sometimes is absolutely, it rocks. Because it doesn't matter. That didn't matter what Samuel put on, whether it was a cowboy shirt or a dog with a cowboy, or if he had a baseball cap. You know, that didn't matter. That was fine. But what did matter was he did have consequences because his behavior, he didn't get to get ice cream. And you should have heard the wailing. No ice cream. But he later told me that day, I love my shirt, Diggy, because it's got a dog with a cowboy hat. And I let it go. But you see, we sift, we simplify, and we prioritize. And then what do we do? We be flexible. We look at the really big things. We use our executive attention to think about those important things that matter, and then we sift our choices that way. After, um, I'm thinking about nine or ten years after Bill and I were married, we, um, we had, like I told you, it was kind of an unconventional wedding. It was kind of an unconventional life because he was a drag racer, and he came home at least every two weeks, or the kids and I would go to him. So we never had that much time apart, but he drove really fast all the time, and he had explosions, and I had implosions, and all of these things that happened because of his profession. 
But that profession, y'all, was like his family. It was like his friends. It was just everything. It was a career he started while he was in high school, and then it continued. And I just said, when we married, I said, okay, I will never ask you to stop what you do because this is what you love. I married you this way. Sort of, I married you this way. I mean, and we've changed. <laughs> yeah, we have. But anyway, I married you this way. This career was part of your life, and so I will never ask you. Now, I don't remember ever asking God. I might have, you know, between us. I might have said, God, could you? But I do know I prayed for his safety. But anyway, one day in January, he made a choice. And he got up one morning, and he came, and he said, I'm not going to race anymore. I'm going to have a team, but I'm not going to drive. And I thought, Wow, we didn't talk about it, but, you know, we didn't have to. I mean, he was coming closer to us, not further away, so that was, that was good. But the reason I tell you this is because it was daily choices in our life, the dailies, doing the dailies, that made him see and made him decide to move as close to his family as he could get. It was doing the dailies. It wasn't me ranting or raving or even praying, God, bring him home. It was, God, bring him home safely, however you get him here. But it was doing the dailies of just life together that made this big decision happen. And he came closer to home, and it changed the catalyst. Now, sometimes people can't do that. We were fortunate and blessed to have a couple of businesses that allowed this to happen. So if he had kept racing for the rest of his life, oh, heaven forbid if he did it now. But anyway, if, if he kept doing that, that would have been fine too. But see, the big change, of course, the kids loved it. They had Daddy at home. But the big, the big thing, it was a model. It was an example for me to follow of how to prioritize the decisions I made. See, I could be really selfish, which, selfish with my priorities when he had just changed a big one in his life. So it, I had to counter that. I had to say, okay, I'm going to one-up you then. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be all in better than I was the day before. So that was a big thing. Our daily choices, y'all, are the stepping stones to help us navigate through really big decisions. So if you're worried about the big decisions later down the road, and moms do that, grands do that, do the dailies. Do the dailies. Daily choices help us get to and navigate those really, really big stepping stones. When we do this, y'all, it helps to preserve and protect the vision we've received from God, and then it also protects our emotional and mental energy that we have as moms that God's given, but then we have to protect that. Okay, one quick thing, again, kind of like a bunny trail, but this is something that really is practical that I want to to share with y'all real quick. CPR for healthy family heartbeat. CPR for healthy family heartbeat. Sometimes big things just come up and you have to have a really big decision and there has to be a deadline on it and you have to make a really big choice. Well, what we discovered as a family was that CPR for the healthy heartbeat was just three things. And we, you already know this. I'm, not ever, I'm really not telling you anything new today. I'm just affirming and confirming things you already know. So CPR for the family is C, communication. If you are facing a really big choice as a couple, as a family, as parents, as grands, call whoever is involved in the family, call them together, have what we might call a family meeting. And we did this a lot when our kids were in high school. Have a family meeting, talk to those who are involved, listen, love, with respect, and with intentionality to listen. And then they have to listen to you. Okay, so that's the C, communication. 
C, then prayer. Pray. Pray together as a family, and then leave the meeting. Go to your rooms at night, because hopefully this meeting is happening at night. Usually it does if you have kids that are old enough to have a family meeting. Pray. Go pray individually. And ask God just to remove the preconceived notions. Not my way, God, but your way. And then the R is rest. Rest. Science proves, studies show that rest changes everything, that our bodies need that rest in order to make good decisions. It's, it's ne- necessary for the decision-making process. So CPR, communication, pray, prayer, and then rest. Our son um, uses as an example, our son was, we were going from homeschool into school. He was ready to go, leave homeschool. You remember that. And um, we had four school choices. And he had one in mind that he wanted to attend. And, and Bill and I had, we were gathering information, gathering options and all of that. And so we had a meeting and we listened to him and then he listened to us. And then scattered we prayed, he, we scattered, everybody was supposed to pray that night. The next morning, and of course we rested. You know, he loved to rest because he was a teenager. We loved to rest because we were just exhausted parents. That morning he walked into our room, and it doesn't always look like this, y'all, but this was one of those times that was just thanking God for the success. He came in, he goes, Mom and Dad, by the way, I'm with you on anything y'all decide. I'm with you on anything you decide. Now, I don't think it really mattered exactly which school because we looked at the options and we tried to make it match. But what mattered was that, first of all, we asked for God's wisdom as a family. You see, all of us together. And then we were unified as a family. We were on one page. And so he went to school. And again, it might have been, any of those schools might have been great. But the choice that we made was the one we were unified on. And there was peace in the family. Now, I want to say that doesn't always happen that suddenly the next day there's joy in the morning. There still may be a little work to do. There still may be a little weeping going on because you're in a circumstance that's not so easily resolved. But you know what? That's okay because you know what your assignment from God is and your job is to do what? Is to keep on asking, to keep on praying, to keep on communicating, to keep on listening, to keep on loving. And it may take you a week, it may take you a month. You still may be involved in a situation with your family that you're asking and you're praying and you're listening and you're just hoping for results. But you know what? When you do that, you don't have to hope for results. God is going to resolve it in the way he thinks is best. His ways are best, they are better, and he's got it. So you just keep doing your assignment, and then God will do the best his way. The last thing, and this is a little bunny trail, the last thing in this is we're talking about choices. It's a bunny trail. Dump your bucket. I've used this term before. Dump your bucket daily. And you know what that means? We go through our days, you know, every day we... We have um, lots of things that happen. We have circumstances and we have feelings. And if you're like one of our grandchildren who loves to collect rocks, he picks up a bucket and he puts the rocks in the bucket. You know, he's picking them up and then they get really heavy and then he's dragging it. Oh, Papa, this bucket's so heavy. And we'll say, dump the bucket. Just dump it out and start over again. Well, you know what, what we do? We put our offenses, we put our hurts, we put our... Um, unforgivenesses, we gather offenses, we gather hurts, we fault find, 
and we put them in the bucket during the day. We love to do that, don't we? Or maybe I'm just confessing. Anyway, we love to do that. Okay, and then the other thing we do, our mistakes and our past failures, what do we do sometimes? Do we hold on to those? We put them in the bucket. So what we want to remember to do when we're praying is to dump the bucket. Just dump the bucket. Go to God in prayer. Ask for forgiveness for your mistakes. Forgive others and dump the bucket. Y'all, those are all choices that we make. God said, I will forgive you if you'll come to me. And so we have to choose then to dump the bucket. Okay, number three, this is another choice, and y'all already do this, but I'm just going to remind you, choose to connect with your community, your community of faith. And that's exactly, look around again, that's exactly what you were doing is connecting with your community of faith. Connect with your local church. And just remember that sometimes in transitions when you make a move or a change in life, your community may be a little smaller, whether it's one, two, three, four, or five, or 5,000. Always remember, and and Lake Hills does a magnificent job of reminding us to just connect with a local church, the local family of faith. Connect. And that's what we want to do. Remember when we talked about Lois and... Eunice, and they were in that little area uh, in the Roman colony. And I reminded you that they, they weren't, there probably were not many Jewish people there at the time, so they had a very small community of faith. Well, you know what happened after they became believers? After they began to follow Jesus Christ, they, they changed their, their faith. They let it move into accepting that long-awaited Messiah, look what happened to their community. See, people that were Jews, people that were Gentiles were believing in Jesus, and then suddenly the church grew, and these people went from having a little tiny community to having a big community of faith. See, then Jesus was the answer. Today, he's the same answer. Connect with your community of faith. And then as I finish up this morning... I want to tell you one more thing that I think is absolutely huge, and there's someone that I'm going to quote in just a moment that agrees with me on this. Or actually, I agree with him on this. Faith is not a feeling. Your faith is not a feeling. Feelings ebb and flow, and we know this with our children. You know, they can change in 30 seconds or 5 seconds or maybe 6 hours. I don't know, but faith... It's not a feeling. If you look on a list of feelings and emotions, you will not find the word faith. And the reason is because faith is totally dependent on who God is. It's dependent on what he says about himself. It's dependent on the truth. It's anchored to the truth. It's not a feeling. Faith is not based on our circumstances It's not based on our troubles that surround us, sometimes where we know we have to cast our eyes on Jesus. It's not a feeling. Faith is anchored on the truth. Romans 17, excuse me, 1017 says, Faith is produced when we hear, when we read, when we metabolize, like Max says, when we internalize the Word of God. That's where faith comes from, y'all. That's where it comes from. And we can choose. That's one of our choices that we can make as moms and grands is to tell our children, to tell our children the truth about their God, to read God's word to them. And so you know what that does? That increases their faith. It introduces them to faith and helps their faith grow when they learn to just fix their eyes on Jesus and to believe what he says.
Now, Dr. Tony Evans is the person that I was talking about. He's the father of Priscilla Shire, and then he also is the father of Crystal Hurst, who wrote that really great book that Julie recommended to us last year. She's still there. Well, he's the father of those two women, and he feels like the most important choice, and it's a choice that he and his wife made when they were raising kids, was to teach their children that faith is not a feeling. They chose that on a daily basis to teach their children that. He says that faith is not a feeling, but it's acting like God is telling the truth all the time. Faith is an action done in response to God's viewpoint on the matter. Faith is doing something because God said, not because you feel like it. Oh, that penetrates my heart because I don't feel like it today, God. Oh, Christy dealt with me this yesterday on this. Faith is not a feeling. And so he taught his children that. Faith is not a hundred-yard dash, but it's a marathon. See, it's a marathon of daily choices that we make. Whether we're taking our kids to preschool or their first soccer game or elementary school or middle school or high school, and then some of you, I know, I, I know where you are in this. You're getting ready to take them off to college, and you're going to take their boxes, and you're going to take their suitcases, and you're going to take their decor, and you're going to help them put it up, and then you're going to leave. But you see, you've been teaching them that their faith is not a feeling. You know who's going to see them through. You know when they have finals coming up, and they're rough and rowdy, and they're worried about it. You know that they're not going to let a feeling control what they're doing. They're, they're going to study. You pray for that. <laughs> you pray for that. You're, they're going to study, but their faith is not going to be a feeling, y'all. Their faith is going to be attached to who God is because they've cast their vision on him on a daily basis. You teach him that, and you do that. You do that. So, number one, we cast our vision. We fix our eyes on Jesus every single day. We consider our choices daily. We sift. We filter. We prioritize. And then what do we do? We be flexible, don't we? We be flexible because we have to. We just have to. You connect with your community of faith daily. And you remember that faith is not, it is not a feeling. Feelings can be awesome or they can be awful. But faith is awesome all the time and it's not a feeling. Teach your children that. So when you do your dailies with your children, I want to remind you of something You know that every day with your child matters and doing the dailies with them matters. You're stepping into spring break this next week, and I love that. And you know what they're going to remember? I don't know. You may have trips planned. You may have something awesome. You may have work. I, I don't know what it is. But your children are going to remember your presence with them. They're going to remember you being with them. They're going to remember you doing the dailies with them one step at a time. That's what your children are going to remember this spring break. So look for ways to just do dailies with them. And then if you have a really big trip or something awesome planned, it doesn't change the fact that you can do dailies with them. And they're going to appreciate everything you do, but they're going to remember your presence with them. I don't know, for example, what and how much Eunice and Lois, you know, Timothy's mom and grandmother, I don't know exactly, and I've wondered this, how much they knew about what their daily choices did for them or for Timothy. I don't know if they knew that he became so influential to the kingdom of God. But what I do know, and I suspect that they knew some of that, but what I do know 
is that they took their assignment that God gave them and they ran with it. They ran hard with it. They were faithful. They did the dailies and they completed their assignment and their satisfaction and fulfillment in that because God sees to that. I know that some of you are pray, pray, praying for some of your older children or or your grandchildren and you're pray, pray, praying for your little ones. And don't, don't judge the success of all of this and the success of your dailies and everything you're doing based on circumstances or feelings. Because I can promise you that when you do the dailies, when you do all those things we've talked about today, when you do the things that you're doing and you're loving them and you're praying for them, I can promise none of that's wasted ever, ever, ever is it wasted. God is who he says he is, and we do the dailies. But you know who finishes it up? God. God is the finisher of all of this. We do the dailies and we run our race just like the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. We run the race, but then he finishes everything up and he completes it all because of who he says he is. I think that has to be one of the most encouraging things that we can, we can end on today. I want everybody to look up at me for just a second. Remember I told you where our bunny trails were going to lead us? (laughs) Did you think I forgot? (laughs) Okay, our bunny trails are leading us today to where we started. You are making a difference. But now we're going to do something different. I want everybody to look at me, whether you're a grand or whether you're a mom or whether you're camera people or whether you're our on-star moms online who are all-stars and so are y'all. Just look up here, and I want you to say with enthusiasm, excitement, and energy, and deep conviction with eye contact with me. I am making a difference. Say it. I am making a difference. You are making a difference, y'all. You're making a huge difference. And spring break coming up, y'all are going to knock the socks off of spring break because your moms who do the dailies, your moms who are in it, your moms who are going to take that assignment and you're going to run with it, and Fearless Mom has helped you do that. But the one who finishes us up is God. And you're going to run with it. And you're going to do it as you do the dailies. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are who you say you are. Thank you so much, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness to these moms and grands and all of the online on-store moms and those who are here. Thank you that you love our families. And thank you, Lord, that you just ask us to do one step at a time and you will finish us up. Your ways are best. Lord, we trust you and we say, Lord, just have it your way. Have our lives and our families your way. And Father, I just ask that you would take the spring break time coming up and that you would just magnify the time for these moms and grands. Lord, that you would protect them and their families. And, Lord, that you would just fill them overflowing with joy. And, Lord, you would show us each day how to unwrap the gift of today and then help us to do our dailies. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen!